Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Society 13 and Frogzilla Radio proudly present Frog Watch with your friend and host, Big Tony Rousick, a.k.a. Frog's Watch. Yes, this is Prog Watch, and this is your old pal, Big Tony the Prog Squatch, coming at you one more time. And this time I've got a, a fun little episode here with uh, Colin Tench of Corvus Stone. So we're going to do a feature on Corvus Stone, and we're also going to play a little bit of Colin Tench project music a little bit later. And uh, Colin and I had a really cool conversation, and it was tough whittling it down to about 45 minutes because we, uh, we got going. But anyway, I'm going to just start right off with that. We're going to pick up, uh, I had started talking to Colin and he was calling me Anthony. And I said, well, I don't like when people call me Anthony. I don't know why I have Anthony out there as my name on Facebook and everything. Cause I really don't like being called that. So we got into a little bit of a what's in a name kind of thing. And we rolled on into some info about the formation of Corvus Stone. So I'm going to let you hear that part of the interview right now. It's one of those funny things. I've just found out a bad thing. CTP, because I'm calling attention, this Colin Tench project is this right. new album. And there's, there's at least two more CTPs out there, and I never knew all this time. Pretty hopeless you get buried underneath everything else that's already been done. <laughs> but it's also, I mean, you call it Colin Tench Project, CTP for short, so I'm sure people will you know, be able to distinguish, because what do the other ones stand for? I'm sure they're not also Colin Tench Project. Oh, no, that's right. Actually, one's a religious one. Um, it's, uh, it's some church thing, but it's quite big. And um, and I didn't know. I'd never come across it before. It's really? American, and um, and uh, clearly they they don't know. And an, uh, and an album just came out under a band name uh, TCP. Okay. <laughs> oh, I'm going to lose it here. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? What else we got? Uh, THC, PCP. I don't know, I mean. <laughs> WTF next? Yeah, I WTF. Shots. I don't know, but any luckily I did list it on, it's on Prog Archives already, even though it's not released and, uh, we're down as, um, a Colin Tench project. So that's, I'm, I'm okay. I'm safe. Good. <laughs> good. So, uh, anyway, I guess we're going to talk some about Corvus Stone and Colin Tench project a little bit later, but, uh, so you, the main members of Corvus Stone are you on guitars, Pasi Koivu on keys, Petri mm-hmm. Lemmy Lidstrom 
on bass and Robert Wolf on drums. Correct? Exactly, yeah. Okay, yeah. so uh you want to talk a little bit how about how you guys all hooked up with each other? Um well, I'll, I'll keep it short, but uh it was Passy um I I I I knew him because um only on the internet because uh he looks after um uh, he was looking after the, the archives of Black Widow. You've heard of Black Widow. Uh-huh. way back and uh, he was looking after their archives and a member of Black Widow used to be in a band with me back in London back in the day um, and uh, so guitarist from Black Widow we would let two guitarists you know in a band and um, I told I, I contacted this guy called Passy and said uh, can you get, put me in touch with John who I used to know and uh, you know and so on and uh, we got talking and uh, he, then he found out that John had been in a band he didn't know about you know an ex-member of um, uh, Black Widow and so on uh, he was really interested, and we just got to know one another. And he suggested I try to release the album, which is a, which was uh, back, you know, it was at Odin of, of London. He suggested we release that, and then one day, Patsy, um, uh, some months later, sent me this crazy track. Said, "Would you like to try and play? Would you like to play guitar on this?" And uh, that's how it kicked off. I said, "Well, I don't think so. That sounds a bit complicated to me." Okay. <laughs> and I've never, I, I don't know, but I'd love to have a go, so I did. And um, it was great because it was never a plan. He didn't plan anything, and nor did I. I didn't think I could even do anything on it. And he didn't think it was going to lead to anything, except it was a bit of fun, which is what I approached it as. A friend, some a sort of a, an acquaintance of his, uh, Petri, of his bass player, uh, heard it for some reason and said he wanted to play bass on it. And Patsy thought he just landed in heaven because as far as he was concerned, Petri's the best bass player in Finland. Okay. And, uh, and he heard it and wanted to play on it, you know. What better way for a band to get together? I guess. Uh, so you have you actually like played in the same room at the same time, or is nope. this one of those long-distance kind of things again? It, exactly. It's, it's long-distance. And, it, of course, the, you know, the upside of long-distance means you can do anything. You know, just looking at an interview with uh, with John Anderson, and he seems to be quite – he quite enjoys it doing yeah. it, even though he's always – he never did that before. He, he's quite enjoyed it, having – he never met Royna, apparently. Uh, well, they were, well, he did briefly, but uh, they, the whole time they were working on the album. And it, it works, you know. I always say it's an international language. You know, you send somebody something, you don't tell them what it is, and then it, for some reason they think, oh, I'll play something on that without any knowledge, you know, of, of why or what it what might it's work. It's just what you wanted, right? Yeah. It's great because yeah. it, you end up with something that, um, it's, it, you know, it, it really works because, because you're actually working to the music. You're not, you've got no other baggage. You're not, um, you're not trying to. You're not thinking. Oh, you know, I, 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 I don't know what to do because he's normally in charge, or, or because uh, it's supposed to be that kind of song, or there's none of that. And it ends up being rather unique. And I think Cover Stone is unique because of that. You know, uh, there's no common sense to it. There's no goal. Yeah, I saw a set of rules on the internet at one point. <laughs> <laughs> they were rather comical. Uh, I'm going to read them. <laughs> we don't try to sound like anyone. We don't try to not sound like anyone. We don't try to be different. We don't try to fit any mold, and we never do what reviewers suggest we do. We enjoy and put a lot of thought into every second of everything we do. So that's like the uh, manifesto of uh, Corvus Stone, I guess? It, it really is, yeah. I mean, it's the way I think. And the way that I think that um, where progressive rock sprung from, but it, well, modern version of it, as in 60s, um, it, it sprung from the idea that we don't worry about the audience. We just, we've done this thing. We, you know, we'll play it to people. Um, and it really worked. It worked then. And I, and, um, I think it works now because at least you're not, 
you actually don't, you, you become unique because you're not trying to do anything. You're not trying to avoid or, or to do something, you know? Right. Yeah. Well, some, you know, I mean, there is some kind of derivative stuff, you know. Of course. Yeah. But uh, I think originally it was very much of a, a why not. I, I think I said that a long time ago on the show is to me, it's the music that says, why not? You know, why don't we go off into this instrumental excursion or why don't we use a, a more symphonic structure in this song instead of like verse, chorus, middle, verse, chorus, you know? Uh, and I always liked that because there was a, some degree of unpredictability and some degree of uh, why not do this? Why not have this uh, extended uh, keyboard jam here and then it'll lead into this? And, you know, to me, it just seems that prog rock, the, the, the stuff that I like anyway, it has a lot more musicality to it, I guess, a lot more thought, a lot more of a almost like it, it's more in common with symphonic music than with uh, today's pop music, which is so watered down and simple at this point. It's just a beat and a few chords and hang a few nonsense words on it, you know? I, I feel exactly that because, um, you know, I've looked quite closely at what, what was really going on in the 60s it was the, with the tail end of what everything that happened before. And that was that uh, you had professionals working with different sections of, the, the, you know, what they were good at. So somebody would write words because that's what they were good at. You know, somebody would do the artwork, they were good at that. And so on and so on. And the same with the music because somebody wrote it. And then if the band couldn't do a good job of it, they'd bring other people in to play certain parts of it. Right. I don't just mean the monkeys either, but I mean, they were all doing it. You know? Sure, yeah. Session musicians were all over the place. And, yeah. Uh, you know, th th there's all kinds of people that appeared on things that uh, it's only sometimes you, don't, you know, you find out. Yeah. Um, you didn't realize that Wakeman was on all this stuff or. You yeah, know, exactly. Uh, yeah. Or how and about so, Tony Tennille was on the wall from the Captain and Tennille? I didn't who, know this, but I was reading what? Tony Tennille. Do you remember the Captain and Tennille? Oh. It was a pop group from like the mid 70s, Love Will Keep Us Together. And yeah. uh, the dude wore like a captain hat, and and the chick was a knockout mm -hmm. and had a decent voice. But I, I was reading, I was proofreading a book that a friend of mine's writing, Andrew Wilde, who's also uh, a DJ here on Progzilla. And he's writing a book about Pink Floyd, so I was proofreading it for him. And he had that in in the, the section on the wall, and I was blown away. I'm like, you mean Tony Tennille sang on "Waiting for the Worms"? You know, by Pink Floyd. It's like this <laughs> obscure thing out of nowhere. You know, it's like who knows that? I, now I do, which is kind of cool. I like knowing weird uses right, stuff yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah, you don't. I mean, there's so much to learn now. I, I'm, I'm constantly surprised by things. I just I had no idea. But yeah, I and, guess, um, you know, your point was, you know, there was, there's a, a lot of session musicians back in the day, especially, yeah. and you never even knew. I mean, sometimes they didn't even get credit on the album. Oh, often they didn't know. That's right. And this has happened almost with every single band. I didn't know that Clapton, I mean, Beatles was a big favorite of mine. I didn't know that Clapton was on the album until later. I didn't know that at that time. Right. Uh, and he was so huge at the time already that you think he might have got a mention, but I don't think he did. <laughs> no, no, he didn't. I don't. I don't think he's credited on the White Album. No, I everybody think, I knows so. it now. But yeah, uh, and that's um. So basically, it was always a. I, I think the people who know what they're doing, they know something about music. They knew that there are kind of some kind of rules that <clears throat> they're not rules in what to do, but rules in how to make something sound powerful or or, or to make something sound melodic or whatever it is. There's certain things you, you need to get right. And it was always done in a professional way. Um, and so I've got a lot of regard for, if you like, pop music up until that time because a lot of it was, it, it, it took years of learning for these people to f put this stuff together and figure out how to do it, you know. Um, and then I'd say that more recent pop music, as in from the 80s onwards pretty much, 
Um, it was very much, um, it, it really didn't take anything. They kind of removed the music from music. That's what I found. I, I agree with you. So I figured this would be a good place to stop and play some music because this is a show that's primarily about music. And even though I enjoy doing these interviews, especially when you get a, uh, a person like Colin who's very uh, easy to talk to and having a good time here. But yeah, I'm going to play a song now. And I'm going to play something from the first Corvus Stone album. And the name of this one is Cinema.
Again, that was Cinema from the first Corvus Stone album, simply entitled Corvus Stone, and that was released in 2012. I'm going to pick up on the interview again, and we were talking a little bit about the evolution of music. It was, you know, if you look carefully at, at uh, uh, pop, popular music up until probably some mid-70s or something, there was a lot going on in there. There was all, cause there's all kinds of stuff going on. You didn't notice, unless you took it away, of course. And um, I think it's something like progressive rock almost ruined it because, you know, they took all the press went so hard against progressive rock that they kind of started removing all sign of music. Right, and then you had punk. Get a bad review. Yeah, you had punk rock, right? Yeah, and, and everyone switched off into other stuff. Like, you know, I think Genesis effectively went into jazz fusion. Um, you know, they, they all did something and think, well, well, they don't like us anyway. Let's just do something that's fun for us to do. Yeah. You know, and, and, uh, because removing music from popular music was the only way to go. And we ended up with bass, and bass was the king of the instruments back in the 80s, I think. And yes. once they figured out electronic drums. Yeah. And bass guitar, that kind of drove everything for quite a long time. Yeah, it's still kind of driving it now. I mean, if you and listen... It, to... but, well, yeah, but it's become more electronic. It's become even, you know, sometimes they talk about bass, and you realize they're not well, even it's, talking it's about bass. it's synthetic bass is what it is yeah, now. Yeah, exactly. But that uh, super low-frequency stuff, if you're out at a club and it's vibrating the seats and the yeah. tables, I hate that stuff. <laughs> it, it, the, the funny thing is, you take a thing. It's, it's a bit like you know, you don't want to eat sausages every day. It, you, you get this part, this little section of a track that you go, "Wow, it's amazing!" And then somebody thinks, "Oh, people like that. I'll make a whole album the same." And that's exactly what's happened. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah, but so I, some of the synth-based things can be great, but don't you know? Just don't overdo it. <laughs> wow, I, I think they're all overdone. I, I don't know. You know, yeah, anytime you hear a modern song in a club or whatever it's just so bass heavy it's it's unbelievable i'm do people really like that do, do you really yeah. want to feel it in your gut or in your groin <laughs> you know what it's, i'm saying yeah <laughs> i know it, it's funny when people used to have parties that they, they, they wanted to start these big, these big brass bands what you know um uh oh what's the famous one an american guy you know brilliant herb albert um, are you talking about no no the one no. who died i think he died in a plane oh oh glenn miller Talking like, way yeah. back there, okay. And of course, yeah, you know, that was kind of, if you like, that was what you you could go and see something like that, hear something like that, and that was a party. And you think, you put that up against disco, which is kind of turned up in the 70s, where basically you couldn't talk to anybody, and it never changed, but you thought that was as bad as it was going to get until <laughs> the 80s turned up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But now, they just you know, keep finding oh, ways to make it worse, right? Oh, yeah, it really is. Yeah, you find one thing. And just keep doing it for as long as you can. And and as long as people are drunk, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I guess. It seems also sure. that, you know, they, they hit on something like, right, like my wife listens to the radio. I'd never do. But sometimes I'll hear things and it seemed like, oh, you know, well, there was this hit that had this obnoxious saxophone in it. So that's mm -hmm. what all the New York producers were putting these obnoxious saxophones and everything for the next couple of months and just... It, it, I don't know. It's just like there's a trend. And for a while, it seemed like all all the vocalists sound like they had something in their mouth, like they couldn't pronounce the words. <laughs> like like they were so lazy, they can't even enunciate when they're singing. You know, they're such slacker. Well, I'm really going off on a tangent here, though. But no, it, 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 it's true. And it's it's actually what I don't plan anything with music. I just don't. I mean, I don't sit yeah. down and think, oh, I need, I'm going to come up with something that's kind of nice. It's like this or like that. It just doesn't. I just end up with something um and, and that seems to work and it's worked in Corpus stone the whole time yeah um and, and uh patsy does that 
he comes, he writes things like, he, he'll just write three things a day. Um, but they've got plenty of room for somebody else to put, to add interpretation all over it, you know. So, um, so it's, it's great. There's no real, as I say, actual plan. Um, and the idea that, um, that you kind of learn how to do it and then you know how to make an album. I always think about Steve Vai released an album called Seventh Heaven, mm-hmm. um, which was, he noticed that all his seventh tracks <laughs> were kind of love songs or, you know, they were those big, you know, uh, wonderful tracks instead of the clever ones. Yeah. And he, he finally raced out and he put all his seventh tracks on it. <laughs> yeah, okay. Cool. And he accidentally, I think, was doing that. So yeah, it just track, happened that it? way. Yeah. Yeah. But, and I understand that. I, I mean, it can, it, you kind of know, you kind of don't, you, there is some kind of, when you put the tracks together, you think, okay, how will this work? What would sound great after that? But that's the same as actually um, uh, designing a song. But pre-designing a plan, planned album, this is where I'm not the same as somebody that you would say a normal progressive rock um, uh, thinker, you know, composer. I tend not to think that way. You know, okay. it's going to be about this and it's going to do this and, and the music's going to go there and do that. I don't think like that. That's All why right. Corbett Stone is so annoying to a lot of people because, um, well, uh, you know, why is that album so long? Um, why, it, you know, I love the first half, the second half, not so keen. The next review says second half is brilliant. The first half, yeah. well, yeah, there you yeah. are. You've got half an album, which is actually still 40 minutes long. Right. An old album. You know, back in the old day, that was a whole yeah. album. Yeah. I've written that down somewhere as well. I've written, you know, you, you, if you don't like everything, don't worry. Just chop 20 minutes off. You've got, you got, still got a long album. You're going to like it. You're going to love it, you know. Yeah. Why not? It's the same as it was a mixtape, making your own, you know, tape up to put in the you can set in the car for, for a journey, you know. Sure. We do that, we do that in the album in the, in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> I'm kind of the same way. I do a little bit of this, but it's like I don't ever set out with a plan. It's sometimes it's just you you turn on the keyboard and you're running through some preset sounds and you find something that sounds yeah. neat and you start playing some notes and then suddenly it's like, wow, that's a cool idea. And then yeah, I could yeah. do that after that. I could do this and and you know I think if you try to cage the muse, it'll it'll escape and never come back. You know, <laughs> to me it's like I just have to run with it. Whatever it is, whatever whatever starts coming out, I just run with it. I. I, I played with somebody in a band once who was very definite about it. he wanted everything to sound like this. And, you know, he always told me all my songs were out of left field. And I'm like, that's a compliment. You know, I like that. You know, I, uh, you never know, what, you know, because whatever it is, I got, you know, like stuff that sounds like jump swing kind of stuff. And then something that sounds more like a progressive rock track and something that's like a ballad. Yeah. And it's just whatever came out is what came out, you know. And that's that's. um it is. It's often about a sound. You hear a rhythm, and you just hit one note on it. You think, "Oh, yeah, that. Oh, okay, I love this." And, and uh, you kind of know something already. You, you really like, and you had no plan uh, one moment before. Um, but uh, <clears throat> I find if you're sitting down to try and find out a sound before you even start anything, is a waste of time. Yeah. Well, unless you're just playing with sounds, you think that oh, was a nice sound. I'll, you know. But if you're actually planning in ahead of time, okay, I want a certain type of synthesizer or a certain type of guitar sound um, before I've even got a note in my head of what to do it, it generally is I'm wasting my time and, I, and I'll probably give up you know? right yeah you'll spend two hours trying all these different sounds and you know mm. it just seems like a, a waste like you said and I figured this was a good time for a little bit more Corvus Stone music so this is from their second album entitled Corvus Stone 2 that's Roman numeral 2 and the name of this one is A Stoned Crow Meets the Rusty Wolf Rat mm. 
Once again, that was A Stoned Crow Meets the Rusty Wolf Rat from the second Corvus Stone album in 2014, which was entitled Corvus Stone 2, Roman numeral 2. I'd like to get back into the interview. We talk a little bit about some funny names. But anyway, yeah. I, I wanted to, to hit on, uh, you know, a lot of your song titles, well, at least some of them, um, like Moaning Lisa and Juicy <laughs> Pussy, I guess. <laughs> I uh, seem kind of risque. Uh, are they just like inside jokes or hey, their backstories? I mean, not, uh, there know, was a picture of that juicy pussy thing. What uh, was that? Like some kind of bun or something? An actual product? Uh, it is. It's an actual product. Yeah. It's, um, <laughs> that was what happened. Uh, I mean, it's actually um, Steph Fleming, who's in a different band. He's in uh, Murky Red. That's his band. And he's a friend. And um, and uh, But he kind of linked to me a lot. Um, musically, and so uh, he heard this. He, he couldn't. He said, "I can't help it." He said, "I've got to write something about that." <laughs> but he found out that this, uh, you know, this bread, this yeah, rolls in Finland, Finland are called juicy pussy. <laughs> that's the name, you know. And it's just, it's just, oh, sorry, I've got to do it. And then he came up with this completely crazy thing. Oh, Music what, as well. What does it mean in Finland? <laughs> well, uh, pussy means bag, so it's in a bag, and uh, and juicy is actually a guy's name. That's a common name. Okay. Juicy. So it's it's just a common, it's like Bob, oh, yeah. you know. <laughs> okay. So it means nothing over there except that, you know. And Bob it's, in uh, a bag. <laughs> it's just buns in a bag. But okay. obviously, for some reason, you see, I, I don't know, say is actually a common name. Yeah, I guess uh, I've seen that in some hockey players, you know. You see oh, okay, yeah. That. And that's, uh, so, you know, it's just, uh, was it Zappa, you know, is, is there always uh, comedy music? There really is, you know. It, it's all part of the fun, you know. I think there's got to be fun in the music, and I do all the time. It, uh, a lot of the stuff I end up working on, uh, there's this kind of quirky thing that happens somewhere, or something funny, something in joke that nobody will even notice. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, so <coughs> the names, uh, uh, Moaning Lisa, that, that, that <laughs> um, th- th- there was a track, it started on Corvastone 1, the first album. Uh, it's a track called Ten Inch Lisa. And some reviewer said, um, uh, he said, well, is that supposed to, it's only 30 seconds long. He said, is that, you know, if it was going to, this doesn't go anywhere. Why doesn't it go anywhere? It's like that, you know, so, okay. <laughs> so next album, okay. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's continued. Uh, it's gone on like that, to be honest. It's, it's just been a bit of a, a bit of fun to be honest. That, yeah. That, that, uh, but there are links. They're, they're musically linked those tracks, and so there's some CTP stuff which is also linked to Corvus Stone, uh, and that reappears again. It's just fun, uh, and 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 that's all it is. And I think that uh, the titles, quite often, uh, a lot of the music is actually initially written by Patty, so he gives them all names. One of my favourites was, uh, and his favourites was uh, was Mas- uh, Mustaches in Massachusetts. Yeah, yeah, that's another one. And he yeah. did it on purpose. He did it purposely because he knew that some people were going to have trouble reading that one out. Um, you know, especially non-Americans. Yeah. You know, or, or even worse, somebody from Finland. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, I did see there was more than a handful that seemed to have like a tongue-in-cheek kind of thing, uh, inside yeah. joke, whatever. But I like that. How, how do you name an instrumental? That's you know right. Uh, that is always a, an issue, yeah. If it's yeah. A, yeah, and a lot of a lot of the music is instrumentals. Yeah, so. yeah, absolutely, it's pretty much. Uh, I think I would say most of the tracks we've ever done, all of them actually, we they're always complete before a singer gets near it. 
Yeah. Which is very hard for a singer, as you probably know. <laughs> That's if weird. They sing on that then. They're like, what? <laughs> yeah, it's weird how different people approach it differently, but that's how stuff works with my project. The the, the guy okay. that I have singing for me, he just, uh, he can do it that way, you know, and I can just like lay some music on him and say, well, here's this, you know, and I even try to get him more involved and say, well, you know, I could extend this or whatever. If you, if you see it different and you want me to like add another, this part, you know, yeah. because it'll be another course or whatever. He never does it. You know, he just like, he takes whatever I give him and he writes words, you know, and it's, I don't, I'm, yeah. I, that's not my forte. That's for sure. I never know what to start writing about. You know, it's, it, you know, it's, 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 it's a hard one. It's, um, I, I, I mean, I've done it on Kid City, this, this kind of tense project album. I've done three tracks on it. I don't do that. Um, but, uh, in some ways it can work in just for the same reason as not having too much musical knowledge can work because it doesn't get in the way. There kind of no rules, and you kind of know if something sounds right. Everybody does. You could play something to somebody, lyrics and all, and they can know if there's something actually off a bit. You think, well, they might not not to do with liking, it's to do with something's wrong with that. Yeah. Um. um and I don't know, but uh, for some reason, it, 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 not having any rules or not not planning to do a proper verse or proper chorus or anything like that, uh, being progressive rock and all that, you, you just kind of you don't care about that. You just do the words just go along with the music you've got there and you you kind of go along with what the guitar's doing or something um, yeah it comes out different it's not normal um but well, often it can work i don't know you know what is normal i you know i guess there's people that will sit down with the guitar and, and start singing words right along with what they're playing on the guitar some people do it that way yeah some people write words first and then fit them to music so we kind of do it the other way around we i i start developing these musical ideas i pitch them to him and then he writes words to them later i mean yeah in the end i always love what he does so you know what the hell right <laughs> it's well it is called music so generally speaking the music is, is essential but um yeah some people would just now i, it, I don't know if you know this but uh, we released an, another album which is um another band oceans five 2013 i'm not familiar with that okay well that's a uh, um he's effectively a normally you could say a folk singer but a prog lover okay and, and and everything, mostly everything on it, he sent me. Uh, he had strummed on the guitar, he'd done, you know, that, and sung and sent me the stuff. And then I would twist it to hell. <laughs> 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 and it worked. It really worked. So we had um, uh, we had the famous guest on that one, who's uh, Lorelei McBroom from Pink Floyd. Right, right. On one track. some work with uh, Dave Kersner also, or was it her sister, Berga? Yeah. Well, no, actually, I asked both of them. I, I contacted both of them. They said, you don't know me, but will you sing on our song? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Lorelai came back straight away and said, yes. And then Durga did. She said, yes, too. Said, oh, shit. <laughs> I don't believe this. <laughs> it's me contacting Pink Floyd people, and they're both going, yes. And I'm going to say, sorry, uh, the other ones are doing it, you know. But Lorelai was the one. And, um, and so that was an amazing experience because starting from folk songs, effectively, and turning them into something which is, I'm not uh, trying to turn them into prog, but just a lot more content, a lot more musical content. And I don't mean lead breaks either. I mean, in the normal way, there's a lot of stuff going on without yeah. getting in the way, you know, the, the vocalist. So that was interesting, and it came out really, really well too, I think, you know. Cool, I'll have to look that up sometime. Oh, yeah, it, that, that was fun. That was great. We actually met, uh, we met her um, the, a year later, uh, Lorelai in London. And uh, we went to Australian Pink Floyd because he's permanently an Australian Pink Floyd. Okay. So we met her there and met uh, and met Dave Gilmore's wife, Ginger. Okay. 
Cool. Yeah, unbelievable. Wow. It's like, <laughs> it's, it's, there's nothing I didn't expect to happen, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, it was easier um, because uh, one of I'm from, I'm in Sweden, although I'm from London. Um, and uh, the keyboard players in Rome, and he came across to London, and the other guys in Ireland. So, you know, it was easy to get together. But Corbett Stone, uh, you know, the drummer Robs, he, he's in America, Atlantic City. Okay. Um, you know, you're trying to think about getting a, a get together a band, which is really complex. The music's hard work, you know, to play. <laughs> and, and to try and get that together, to rehearse it to the point where you could actually successfully do it. Um, and get decent enough gigs, you know, it, it's hard. So it, it, we always hope for the future, but it's um, how do we do it? Yeah. You're talking you know, intercontinental flights, you know. Uh, well, yeah, yeah. It's it's it, it's hard to know how you go about that, really. But um, some people do. They just pile all their money into it. They've got to be damn sure that you need some proper rehearsal. It's all very well, Yeah, you know, doing a bit of rehearsing at home and kind of, you know, getting together and doing hoping for it. It won't work. Not really. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't put a lot of faith in that either. You got to play together. You could destroy it. Yeah, I think Fractal Mirror was facing that. I talked to the guys from Fractal Mirror a while back, and they were talking about, you know, because they're also a project like this, where Mm -hmm. you know one guy's the drummer's here in America, and the other two guys are over in uh, the Netherlands. I think, you know, Mm -hmm. so uh, yeah, how do they play it live? You know, they were. You know, it just becomes a, a big ordeal to try to, you know, think about, well, you know, people in this in this age, the way the music industry, you know, has kind of collapsed with everybody yeah. stealing stuff. Um, uh, yeah. There's not a lot of money in it, so people have to have day jobs. So you're going to have to take time off of your day job. You know, everyone's going to have to coordinate time and, and, you know, maybe you got a family. And, you know, it just turns into a big nightmare to try to think when when you're talking about, you know, crossing the Atlantic to, to do it, you know, over there or over here, or somebody has got to fly yeah. all the way halfway around the world to do it. It is. You know, I, I'm always shocked when I see what, you know, uh, like the flower Kings, I think, uh, you know, Hassa, you know, Hassa Thurber, he's, uh, well, you know, he's a ma- right. major part flower Kings. He's right. Still yeah. Got you know, he still works at the airport. Yeah. Stockholm. As far as I know. Yeah. He was still there a year ago, as far as I know. Yeah, I've played well, some think, of this stuff. You think, well, wow, this is this is like one of the new breed, one of the big successes of recent times. Right. Yeah, but, he's but in the Flower Kings. Money to play all the band. Yeah. And this seemed like a nice place to play another track. And in fact, we're going to play one of those funny name tracks that we were talking about. It is none other than the infamous UC Pussy.
Once again, that was Yussi Pussy, which is a track that was actually on the first Corvus Stone album, but I played the remixed version, which came from their third album entitled Unscrewed in 2015. But anyway, I'm going to get back into the interview where Colin and I were talking about guests on albums and the uh, the production loudness wars and all that kind of stuff. So uh, you did you 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 hit on you know some guests and things like that i also noticed that you uh yeah you've worked with phil naro or is it narrow or naro how does he say phil Naro, that's a great thing it's yeah. because i've got introduced because of um of nicotona uh because he picked up on he he met me on the album i the old, the old album that i released i mentioned before odin and a bunch of keys it was all through that that i recorded in the mid 80s and never released until 2010 um that's when i met nick and he's been a you know, a good friend ever since, and you know, helping with releasing albums, you know. Um, and of course, and he's a good friend of Phil Narrow, and I never thought we would be lucky enough, or, you know, kind of really honored to get Phil Narrow. My god, yeah, he's a great singer, yeah, and he's working permanently, you know, he's gigging constantly, nightly, yeah. I, think I know he was, day. he was in something uh, else, I know he was in uh, Unified Past, he was working with those guys, uh, now he is, yeah, he's uh, that's uh, that's coming up with gigs as well, which was never, I didn't see that one coming. Yeah, it's great, great news. Um, so uh, you never know what's going to happen. You, so you can't plan it. But yeah, Phil, I, it was, he's not on the first album. The first album of Corvus Stone, um, uh, I bumped into um, into Blake Carpenter, and and he ended up asking me if I wanted to play on the Minstrel's Ghost album, which I ended up being the guitarist on it. Okay, uh, I, I don't know if you know that album, but uh, that's um, we did that in 2012 as well. At the same time as Corvus Stone, it was a lot of work. <laughs> Yeah, both long albums, you know. Um, and uh, he said he just ended up singing on Ice King. He said, right, "Let me ever do that." And he said, "Wow, yeah, yeah." <laughs> it's one of those magic ones, you know. He just did it, and um, and so so he he's been a guest on, on all three albums. He's on he's on every one of them. Yeah. How about Sean Filkins? How'd you? That was I met Sean in a radio interview in in England um, some while ago. And uh, we were both in there at the same time, just so I'd never met him, you okay. know, and um, there we were. And uh, it was just such a nice guy. And one day I thought, I'm going to be bloody cheeky here and ask if he wants to sing on a Corvus Stone track. And it was the most difficult one of all, Moaning Lisa. <laughs> and uh, apparently he nearly did his head in trying to get his head, figure out what to do on it, and he finally did it. But uh, it was, so it was a real serious honor to, to, to again, to get him to sing on something because, uh, you know, he's big, big train and um, – right. It, 
is out there gigging. He's done a lot of work uh, in, in in the past. Um, so yeah, really nice guy, and he did you know he did something that nobody else would have come up with as well. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, and it was pretty. It's another one of those tracks that some people absolutely love it, but it seems to be the most liked. I suppose the most famous track on the album in some ways. Okay. You know, um, uh, not because just because it's Sean, but just it's just completely different to everything else on the album. Right, right. So, um, uh, Scorpion Two, by the way. Right, and Unscrewed was actually I, I saw it made the uh, the list of uh, top albums of 2015 on Prague Archive, which oh, I look it, at that quite often. Um, uh, it, it's, I'm really pleased. It Scorpion Two is still in the top ten. For 2014, um, yeah, Corbis Unscrewed is also in the top ten for 2015, and um, I don't, you know, obviously a lot of luck and and whatever. I don't know, but at least there's nothing like it. Corbis Unscrewed was slightly different because it's not totally a new album, right? Right. You know, that was the, the it was a it was more of a um, it was to do with. I've got a problem with, um, uh, with with production of albums in, in many many years, and I didn't know the pr- what the problem was. I learned recently what it what causes the problem that I don't like, you know. And it's all to do with this loudness thing, this ma- massive compression um, okay. to make your album louder than everybody else's. And I didn't. Yeah, know I hate that. that. I, yeah, exactly. So <laughs> I, I didn't understand it. And Coolstone Unscrewed I did it for a few reasons, but one of, one was to go back to revisit some tracks from album one, especially turn off the compressors. <laughs> It was more than that. It, there was there were all kinds of issues. We didn't have a drummer until we'd almost right. completed out one. Right, right. So we we then went back to the drummer and said, "Look, do you want to play the drums on on a, on a couple of these? Let's do this right." It. I've got. I, I tell you, when I, I album one, I don't have an issue with any part of the album, it, no matter what it, whatever it sounds like, because I think it sounds great. But it sounds great in the car. It sounds great in, in fact everywhere I play it. But it might not have the punch. Uh, of some albums because um, it's a bit more soft. It's pretty old school in that, in that way. Yeah. Um, we didn't have a real drummer and all of it. So there was that. Get some drums on some. Also, uh, you know, rethink some of the mixing um, and uh, improve it, if you like, or, or change it more sure. than anything else. Um, and there's some new tracks. I mean, something like 40% of it is completely new. Plus right. tracks have been extended and changed and uh, made uh, yeah, completely different version and so on. So, and vocals on the track we, that used to be an instrumental and, and so on and so on, including that was Sean again, Sean Philkins. Okay. Sean sent me some vocals for a track on album two, and I said, no, we're not going to use them, but I'm going to keep them. <laughs> okay. And that ended up on Cool Stone Unscrewed. Great. Because I had to rework the whole thing. You, know, you can't just stick vocals on top. You really sometimes need to rework it properly, you know to make the best of the singer. So that's what I did. Um, and so, so Corbus Stone Screwed, if anybody knows what dynamic range means, um, uh, the average of Corbus Stone Screwed is 13, which is about exactly the same as a vinyl would have been back in the day. Okay. Before the trick started. And that was a, one of the aims also, you know, to see what it would sound like if I did that. I think it sounded great. <laughs> I, I, I'm really pleased. Uh, I, I will never go back. Um, yeah, I did Even albums, it had a dynamic range of average of eight or nine, which is way better than most albums are. I just don't like it, and I didn't even know. So I just some albums I found tiring. Oh, there's something wrong with it. But I love the album, the playing and content, everything. But I don't listen to it much. 
And I, now I know what, what's been going on. Yeah, if you open up some of these in like a wave editor kind of thing or whatever and look at them, they're just like a giant block with a few little notches. Like isn't it? everything is maxed out as loud as it yeah. can be. You know, it's, I, I don't know. Like you said, it does become kind of like, uh, I don't know. It just fatigues you or something. It's just, it, it, I don't know. You know, I, it's, I, it's, I was, I was guilty in the beginning too. I mean, you know, a compressor, you, know, you, know, and you all learn. The, oh, it makes yeah. it sound big and, and all this stuff. And, yeah. you know, I want the guitars to sound really huge. The one guy I used to play with, you know, so, uh, but yeah, then, you know, as I'm going along, I'm learning to like leave it off and leave a little more of a range on some things. I think that's, it's, it's nice when it's there, you know, especially, I mean, it's all done in digital. It's not like you have all this hiss or anything like back in the day uh, on, you know, when they were using tapes and it was going on to vinyl and you had really quiet sections, well, maybe they were kind of lost, you know, but today, <laughs> you know, you can, you can really explore a wide dynamic oh, range yeah. and it seems a shame that nobody does. That's, that's the weirdest thing. CDs arrived, massive dynamic range potential and no clicks and pops and so on. And what do people do immediately? Exactly the opposite. <laughs> the volume wars is what I call it. Yeah, it's like everybody wants their album to be louder than the other one, you know? Yeah. Well, there's only, you can only get it so loud without distorting, so then they start doing other tricks like compressing the hell out of everything and maxing it's, it all it, it's not, I mean, the first thing I noticed on, on the radio, especially internet radio, is when a track was on and it would sound a certain way, and then, then an acoustic set, it sounded really amazing. Then the band would come in and the volume drops in half. It would yeah. just happen there. And it's yeah. the compression. And yep. the radio, it, it, it makes it sound, it, you hear all the problems because the, some radio stations, it, it actually is exactly what happens. Yeah, they compress. The band comes in for the big, the big crash and it doesn't happen. It's, the volume goes, it drops sometimes in half. Yeah. Well, yeah. Why does that happen? And that's uh, all about, that's, that's what it is. It's that yeah. compression. If it's done wrong or done bad, done, overdone, you know. So I learned the hard way, although I never did it to any of our stuff. Um, I, I always made sure it never got that, that that bad, but I still was learning, figuring out what it is. Why I was trying to get, like you say, like this big block. Yeah. Like the pros do. I thought, why am I not getting that? You know, I I, I could do that. It's easy to make a block, but it didn't sound very good. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> so, I, yeah, I spent a lot of time doing wasting my time you know, with all of that. No, um, but it's always so, a learn, you know, learning process, you know. It, it is. I've gone reverse with a lot of bands. A lot of bands you find, uh, especially if they've been around a long time, their early albums are, you know, are vinyl and, and they're kind of uh, dynamic, but um, much softer, if you like. Um, and uh, as their albums have gone along, they get louder and louder and more um, clinical sounding in a way. Yeah. And it loses something. I don't know what it is. It just loses the, the heart somehow. You know, all the mid range has kind of gone away. Yeah, especially the lower mid-range, you know. Yeah. The warmth, it's, you know. Yeah, it's, it's that. Yeah, the stuff that – I, I say it like, like this. With progressive rock, if, if you love a band, it doesn't matter what they've done to the sound. You're going to love it anyway. So you can listen to it loud and on headphones maybe or whatever, and you're like, wow, 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 they're amazing, this band. But somebody who doesn't know that band or doesn't even like that kind of music, you put it on next to them and they really don't like it because it's got a, it's got a harshness. And it yeah. does the head. Back in the old days, you could put music on that people didn't like, and it didn't really annoy them too much. They just didn't listen to it. <laughs> and they might start listening. They go, I like that bit. And I think that is a fact of, of modern production is it will actually, uh, it will actually make people say to turn that down much faster than, um, than, 
the old way. The old way, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, it's just like secondhand smoke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and that's, I think it's like that. So, um, uh, um, but anyway, uh, uh, apart from the sound, uh, Corvus Stone has always been, um, say, no rules. The tracks, uh, with the, the album's been very long, not because we planned a long album, just it turns out that way. Um, and this, the very varied, I see an, another review that said, if you don't like what you're listening to, don't worry, t- t- 10 seconds from now, you'll, you'll, you'll start liking it. Because <laughs> it will have changed. It's unpredictable, yeah. It's very, uh... And again, I figured this would be a good place for another tune. I'm going to play one that I think you, you heard us talking about. If you didn't hear it in this last segment, I think it's coming up in the next segment that we were talking about some of the guests that had been on the albums. And uh, one was Sean Filkins of Big Big Train, and he's actually on this track, this next track. It's entitled Moaning Lisa. I think we talked about that title as well. This is from the second Corvus Stone album, once again, released in 2014. Forever last 
beneath the waves and on the cliff she kneel and pray the charms would overcome a sorrow the faintest hope but somehow somewhere the flame still burned and held her in his heart now lonely sir has lost her smile betrayed by fate and love lost to the sea now she is
Once again, that was Moaning Lisa with guest Sean Filkins, and that was uh, quite an adventurous track, linking up all kinds of different kinds of music. But anyway, again, it was from the second Corvus Stone album, released in 2014. Now I'd like to finish up with the interview. All the people I've worked with in the past, you know, they're all involved on this album. <laughs> well, that's that's a cool thing. It shows you guys like each other. <laughs> so, yeah, like you don't go running and trying to find a complete different cast of characters. You know, it's like, well, you must genuinely I don't like like that. Yeah. yeah. I, I hear people saying that. They say, I want to do it on my own. I don't want anyone in my normal band because, no, no, I don't want that. Right. So, well, why not? It's, you know, just, uh, it can be this and it can be that. I guess I could see, you know, where you want to explore different avenues, but, you know, to not do anything with any of them, I don't know. <laughs> well, you know, the fact is that, uh, you know, you, you get somebody who plays the drums or the bass or whatever it is, and they're good at a certain thing, but you know that they won't get it on this other track. Yeah, think, exactly. Know? So somebody else plays that track, but then, you know, you have another track, and it's like, well, I know how, you know, say, uh, Posse plays, you know, or I know how Petra yeah. will play. And and that's what I want on this track, you know. So you, yeah, yeah. And it, and it's funny. You've got to be a musician. You've got to be involved in music to realize that 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 means a huge amount. You think, well, why can't if, you know these clever players? They can play anything. But not very many can actually. Now, most yeah. are really good at what they do, and uh, and and I know what these people do already. So, uh, uh, you know, and some are good at playing, and some are good at writing. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and and some are always crazy and some are always safe <laughs> <laughs> and you know that you know and I, and I like the idea of uh, unsafe and go for it make make it become the best person on the track I always say to anybody okay that's that's a cool philosophy yeah well it's it's, it's great isn't it you can pull up, pull yourself off it and be, have a, a fabulous track you didn't have to do much <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I do take that view <laughs> yeah, if it can become you know somebody else's like great moment, then that's what I want, you know. Yeah, exactly. It's, I about, know it's not about who who's the best or or who's the most prominent or anything like that. I don't want to be the most prominent. Actually, it's really uh, cool too when when someone will really elevate a track for you. Like uh, you know, you thought it was a pretty good track, but then someone comes in, you you, yeah. you give it to somebody, yeah. and they do something on it, and it's just like they took a different avenue, but they brought it up. They just turned a, a pretty good track into like a really great track. Exactly, exactly. And that's why I always want, I've got to say, uh, you know, there's an awful lot of people out there who do guest on things and they don't do that. They don't do their greatest thing on that. I always do. When, if somebody asks me to play on something, I always think, how can I, what can I do on this? I, I, I might, it might take me ages to figure out what to do. Yeah. But I want to make it the best thing I've ever done. As in, not for the track. I, don't, I mean that, you know, I think I could do something, really do something. So there's some point in me being on it, yeah, um, at, yeah, exactly. you know, make it fun, make it so that I like it. A lot of people don't do that. They do it on their own music and they don't do it for somebody else. And I don't understand that. Why do I want to play on something and, uh, and somebody not even notice or think, well, that wasn't much. Yeah. You know, maybe they're playing, maybe played it safe, you know, they don't want to do anything yeah, too it's, crazy, it's, you, know. you know, I couldn't be a session musician. I mean, I could never do that. Can you play these chords? I think, no, I can't. <laughs> I love that old kink song, Session. What is it? He's a session man, chord progression. <laughs> great, <laughs> great rhyme isn't there. It, uh, isn't it funny? Nothing's new, is it? <laughs> no, I get... All this stuff's gone on forever. Yep. Um, 
So I hope you had fun listening to that. I obviously had fun talking to Colin. He was a, he was a really good interview. You know, sometimes when you do these things, you, you just hit it off with somebody, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And he and I, I think we hit it off pretty good. We had a good time and uh, we easily rambled on for more than an hour. But anyway, like I said, I hope you enjoyed it. And I'm going to leave you with one from the forthcoming Colin Tench project album. This is called Something Old, Something New, Something Borrowed, Something Screwed. And the name of the album, when it is finally complete and released, is going to be Hair Hair in a G-String. I'm sorry. It's due for release later this year, I believe. So once again, this is the Colin Tench Project.
So that was the Colin Tench Project, something old, something new, something borrowed, something screwed. Just the kind of name we would <laughs> expect from Colin after listening to the interview. I think you got a sense that he's a guy that has a, a really good sense of humor and is just having a good time. And uh, I like that kind of attitude. But anyway, that is about all I have time for. And I want to remind you one more time to prog on, brothers and sisters.